0: As the uh, kids are going, I think it would be appropriate to mention it's uh, Veterans Day weekend. Um, we have a lot of uh, veterans in this congregation um, and some current ser- uh, servicemen, so just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for uh, your service. We're uh, finishing up the fruit of the Spirit today, uh, which with what is by far the worst fruit of the Spirit. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't like this one at all. So I'll be preaching mostly to myself and uh, hopefully you can help me (laughs) after, but let's take a look, uh, just so you know what it is. It's, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, self-control, it's it's what, it, its what it sounds like. There's nothing special in the Greek here. It's just the ability to restrain yourself when you want to do something, and you know you shouldn't. Um, it's its not complicated, but it is really, really hard. Um, not for everyone. Uh, and, and by the way, to note, note here, fruit of the Spirit. It, the, the Greek there is singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So, like, there's one big fruit, right? And it has all these different facets to it. All right, so it's got, there's nine different facets that Paul brings out here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The, the the reason it's singular is so that no one gets off the hook. You can't be like, well, I got seven out of nine, so I'm good. That's not how it works. You're really supposed to be developing the entire fruit of the Spirit. And we've talked about each one in, in succession. We're going to talk about self-control today. And to do so, we're going to look at really probably the most one of the most wild examples of self-control throughout scripture. And that is uh, Jesus' time uh, of temptation or testing in the wilderness in Luke 4. So let's let's uh, read that text together, and then we'll jump in, we'll pull it apart, and, and kind of see what the biblical view of self-control and how to do it is. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil— he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you, if, uh, by the way, if um, in Greek is a, it can, it can be either if or since. I I disagree here with the new international version. I, I think it's since you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus isn't confused about whether or not he's the son of God. Neither is the devil. Um, but because he's the son of God, he has certain power. Right? And so the devil's like, you should use that power. Since you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me by God, the Father, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship Yahweh your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand at the highest point of the temple. Since you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. It's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all of this tempting or testing, he left him until an opportune time. It's, uh, there, there's a lot going on here. This is a really rich text. We could do an entire series on this text. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to miss some of the, the good stuff. But I'm going to try and bring out as much as possible so you can see it, hear it. Um, and, and the first thing to notice is uh, the beginning here. Um, Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. What is going on here? Well, one of the things that's going on in Jesus' ministry is Jesus is going to do all of the things that Israel was supposed to do but failed to do. And if you recall, when Israel is is released from captivity in Egypt, what happens? They wander, because of their disobedience, they wander in the wilderness for 40 days. Or 40, 40 years, I'm sorry symbolically Jesus is going to do the same thing. That's why it mentions the Jordan because uh, Jesus crosses the Jordan, goes into the, the edge of the wilderness where Israel wandered for 40 years and he wanders there for 40 days. Symbolically doing what Israel could not do, Jesus is going to wander correctly, rightly, according to God's way and not his. And it says most importantly that he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. Jesus is about to undergo some pretty intense testing, and, and we'll see how, how difficult it is as we, as we pull it apart. But one thing we need to understand is, is how willpower and self-control work in our physical bodies, okay? The, the scientists have spent a lot of time trying to figure out how willpower works, and we know, uh, we know that willpower or self-control takes place in the, fr- uh, the prefrontal cortex. They've done a number of ne- uh, neuroscientific studies to, to watch our brains as we make hard choices, saying no to ourselves or then often saying yes to ourselves. And what the, the scientists have, have discovered is that willpower, self-control is actually something that we have a limited amount of. And it's sort of like having, uh, like you have a water bottle, right? And every time you make a, a, a self-controlling choice, it's like you're, you're pouring out some of that water, some of that willpower. And interestingly, the harder the, the decision that you make, the, the more it takes from you and makes it more likely that you will fail very soon. So for example, let's say you are on a diet. And you are at Red Robin, and you are looking at the Five Alarm Scorpion Burger. It's got pepper jack cheese, it's got fried jalapenos, it's got everything your belly wants. Two patties, there's probably bacon on there. And then you look and you see that Red Robin also offers a grilled chicken salad. If you choose the grilled chicken salad against everything that your body is saying, body's like... Alarm, scorpion burger, if you choose the the, the grilled chicken salad that 's going to take a lot well, depending if, if food 's your thing, like it is for me that 's going to take a lot of your willpower and it 's going to drain it and so later you 're sitting there and you 're like, "Oh, I really want to stay up late and watch this movie now that the kids are in bed, um, but I know i shouldn 't because I need to, to wake up early tomorrow for work well because you've spent a lot of that willpower on the grilled chicken Caesar salad, whatever it is, you're much more likely to make a bad choice and stay up really late. This is even worse because one of the best ways to refill your willpower, according to the scientists, is to sleep. And so if you wake up the next day and you are very tired because you didn't get this, then guess what? If you end up at Red Robin again, you are much more likely to get the scorpion burger this time. Now we all know this intuitively, and that. But did you? And so the scientists, what they say, they come up with all these little hacks, these different ways to like you know develop your willpower, or like give more. Like they say like when you're strong, like take away anything that's tempt, that might be tempting, or make a plan. There's all these different hacks, and you notice that Jesus used those, right? It says um, Jesus came up with a really good plan uh, for how to increase his willpower when he entered. No, that's not what happened. What does it say? It says Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus is human like us. He has, I mean, he's dealing with the same types of, you know, willpower issues. He is, he is God. He is, does have the divine nature, but he's fully human. And these are real temptations. These are real tests for him. But instead of relying on his prefrontal cortex, Jesus is relying on the spirit. What Jesus is doing is all the time he's praying and he's attentive to what the spirit is doing, where the spirit is directing him. His strength does not come from his willpower. It comes from the spirit of God. And I think if we're going to be honest about the biblical view of self-control is it's not willpower and you know there is that and I, by all means do what the scientists tell you to help with your self control but but understand that the real source of self control is the holy spirit that's the first thing in your note sheets self control starts with the spirit the amount of time we spend in prayer in listening in silence in focusing on who God is and what God has done, that is directly proportional to the amount of self-control we will have, because that is when we set our strength not in ourselves, but in God. So Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what's the first thing that happens? He's hungry. Uh, going back to the text in what may be the, the one of the all- time great understatements, uh, Luke says he ate nothing during those days, At the end of them he was hungry. I'll bet. Uh, The the New Revised Standard says he was famished. Try and like emphasize. But really, this is just a regular Greek word for for hunger. It's like, you know, you missed lunch, so you're hungry. Well, Jesus missed 40 days of food. He's really hungry. And the devil says to him, since you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. A legitimate thing. Like, why not, right? What, What could be wrong with that? What could be wrong with Jesus using some of his, you know, God power to turn a stone into bread? Well, Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy 8. I want you to look at this. What what Deuteronomy, this is uh, Moses talking to the people of Israel as they're about to enter the promised land. He says, God humbled you, causing causing you to hunger. And then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. Why? To teach you that you don't live on bread alone. Instead, you live on every word that comes from the mouth of Yahweh. A couple of things to note here. Because Jesus is sort of redoing what Israel failed to do, Israel went to the wilderness. They complained. They whined. They demanded from God more provision, and then God does it; He gives them manna. But they don't—they don't trust Him. They don't follow Him. Jesus now has the opportunity to like to do the same thing, right? Instead of waiting on God, instead of waiting on the Father, instead of following the Spirit, He can generate what He wants, which is food. But Jesus has something going on in his head. He he remembers the story of Israel. He is, in fact, you notice when we read through every single time he's tempted, how does he respond? With quotes from the Old Testament, what we think of as the Old Testament. Every single time he's, he's challenged by the devil, he goes back to Scripture that he knows and he's like, no, I understand what you're trying to do, how you're trying to trick me. This is what Scripture, this is what God's Word says. I'm living by Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord as textualized in what we think of as the Old Testament. And what does, I mean, what what does that mean for us? Have you, have you, anyone been to the, uh, to Regal Cinemas lately? Like within maybe the last like year or so? Did you see the ad that they have for Regal? It's interesting. It, the entire ad, all of the all of the the lines in the ad are movie quotes. Have you seen this? Uh, I, I watched it. I was like, it's kind of an interesting ad because I found myself being like, oh, that's from this. Oh, that's from that. Oh, that, and there are a few where I was like, I don't know if I've seen that movie. Take take a look. I have it here. um... I think, uh, it, it, and and it, this shows you where all of the, the quotes come from. So this thing sure, is nice and my pocket. Shirley <laughs> <laughs> can't be I serious. Be
1: serious. No, I am, I am serious.
0: serious. And don't call me Shirley. So oh I got God, that going for me. Which is nice. Oh, that's oh, That's going to leave a mark. She's, she's beauty and she's great. It's not a man purse it's called a satchel you can't sit with us so you're telling me there's a chance i know it was you fredo you broke my heart as f you said all the world of lies this is the, at beginning the beginning of a beautiful friendship, friendship. know if you do this, but I know a lot of people do where like basically all of our comedy is basically us just quoting movie lines to each other. Like that's how we communicate now. Uh, Doug and I do this. Um, We, you know, not a, not a staff meeting goes by where we don't quote Anchorman or something like that. Um, And often everyone's like looking at us like, what are you talking about? Like we know. (laughs) Um, The reason for that is because in our culture, we are, for the first time in human history, really, in the last hundred years, is the first time that um, easily available, mass-produced recordings of music and movies have been available. And really, in the last 50 years, they've become way more available. In the last 20 years, like insanely available, so that we can see these things over and over and over and over and over. We 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 watch the same movie 30 times. Like Aaron and I, we used to watch what, what some, like Step Brothers. I mean, there's so many that we've just gone through where we just keep watching. And so it 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 they, the lines they get stuck in our head. The same thing happens with your favorite music, right? You, you Back once they started records and 8-tracks and then CDs and, or tapes and then CDs and now Spotify. Like, you can listen to the same thing over and over and over. And so we begin to speak and think in terms of movie and music, music lyrics and movie quotes. Well, before, before uh, that was technologically possible, human beings went to different things for primarily books, And if you couldn't read, then memorizing or listening to and hearing and memorizing someone read it to you. What Jesus did, Jesus grows up and he is soaked not in movie quotes, not in his favorite records, but in scripture. He's hearing over and over and over, he reads over and over and over the Bible. And so, when he's in a situation that calls for his self-control, he doesn't have to sit around and be like, what should I do? Instead, Deuteronomy 8 just pops right out of him. He sees exactly what's going on. He understands exactly how he's being tested. He understands exactly what he's called to do. Because he is soaked in scripture. And it's telling that he only uses scripture to counter the temptations or testings of the devil. And that's the next thing in your note sheets. The self-controlled swim or are soaked in scripture. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it's, it's worth wondering. If we have problems with self-control, how often are we, how often is, are the words of of God, of God coming to our thoughts and minds as we're battling ourselves. Because it goes real fast to Jesus. Let's go to the next one, uh, the, the, the kingdoms, right? devil takes them up to a high place. Here are all the kingdoms of the world, all the authority and splendor. The devil says, God gave it to me. I'll give it to anyone I want. I'll give it to you if you simply worship me. Jesus responds from Deuteronomy 6, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. Now, we might be like, oh, that's, that's easy. It's it's the devil. We, we know we're not supposed to trust him. Like, but look at this. Look at look at um, what's probably going on in the back of Jesus' mind. He, he's probably thinking about uh, Psalm 2 when he hears this. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. God said to me, You are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. This is widely understood in, the t- in Jesus' time to be a messianic psalm. This is what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. All of the, the kingdoms of the world are going to become his. But how is he going to get it? How's that going to happen? How is the Messiah going to receive all the kingdoms of the world? Well the devil just gave him a really great way to do it. Just bow to me. And I'll give it to you. Anybody try Fenfen in the nineties? You guys remember Fenfen? Yeah, it was like a pill. I think basically it was like speed and it was marketed as a weight loss drug. And it was really, really effective. It also gave you vascular heart disease. Uh, there's one up there, the uh, the nighttime fat burner. I want to start taking that. This apparently is going to speed up my fat burning while I sleep. That'd be awesome. I really want to try Ozempic. Um, I've seen some people on Ozempic and it totally works. Like, it's like, it's amazing. I've heard that it basically just suppresses your appetite so that you're just not that hungry. And Hopefully, I mean, we don't know because it hasn't been on the market very long, but hopefully there's no major side effects. Like, so you could, I mean, I've heard people dropping 50, 60 pounds. My cousin did it. She, she and her husband dropped it, like 50 pounds over like nine months on Ozempic. And all you got to do is just jab yourself once a week. That's awesome. Why is that awesome? Because it's easy. Because the alternative to Ozempic is choosing the chicken Caesar salad and god oh god forbid running every morning like yeah no thanks just jab me bro that's like uh, how hard can it be like that's much that's way better like that's what we all want right we want the, the short circuit to self control whatever it is that you battle whatever your your self control issue what you would really want is a magic pill you want like the easy path the shortcut no, no one wants to sit there and struggle with themselves. Think about this. The devil is like, okay, you're, you're called, Jesus, to be the ruler, the king of kings and the lord of lords. But I got some bad news for you. The way that that's going to happen is by you being tortured to Death. I've got a better plan. Just bow to me and you can have your inheritance. What you've been called, just, it's a lot easier. Because if you say yes to God, you're saying yes to crucifixion. If you say yes to God, you're saying yes to a life and a ministry of being alone. If you say yes to God, you are saying yes to suffering. If you say yes to me, you can have it all for free. Don't don't hear me. If you're if you're on Ozempic, don't stop because you think God needs to like make you suffer. That's that's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say though is that there is a place in the Christian life where self-control involves suffering. <laughs> it involves that hard decision to Say no to yourself and say yes to the spirit. What the world wants to tell you is you don't need self-control. There's a magic pill that's going to fix it for you. What God says, what Jesus says, is no. Sometimes you have to take up your cross and follow me. It's so the next thing your Note sheets, no shortcuts, the self-controlled shoulder suffering. The self controlled shoulder suffering. So Jesus says, No, first I'm soaked in scripture, I'm following the Spirit, I understand that my path is one of suffering. So now the devil's gonna take a different tack. He's gonna try and trick Jesus. How? By using scripture. So here here he is, uh, since you're the son of God, throw yourself down from the highest point of the temple because Psalm 91 says that that your father is going to command his angels, they're going to guard you, they're going to lift you up in their hands, you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said, do not put Yahweh your God to the test. I don't think Jesus was scared, by the way. I don't think that he was, like, worried that if he fell off that God wouldn't, you know, protect him. But instead, it's similar to the last where the devil's like, hey, I'm going to give you everything. Just worship me. Now the devil is saying, hey, why don't you just, you know, force God's hand a little bit. Make him show you what he's willing to do for you. Prove. Make him prove to everyone. That you are who you say you are, who you believe you are, who you must be if you're going to fulfill this mission. And Jesus says no, and the reason he says no is because he understands that when Israel was wandering in, in the wilderness, they were constantly tempting God, they were testing God. God, you have to prove yourself, you have to prove yourself, over and over and over. And every single time it led to disaster. Because they weren't willing to stick with God's plan. They wanted their own plan. They wanted to, to go in the promised land their way. Similarly, we, we want to get to, you know, our goal weight or whatever our way. We don't want to do it God's way. Because that's, we have to trust. We don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to require faith. It might require suffering. It's going to require us to be soaked in scripture. It's going to require us to pray and to be silent. It's going to require all of those things. What we would rather do is have our plan because our plan is A, easier and B, it's placed to our strengths. But Jesus says no. Jesus understands that self-control, this is the last thing on your note sheets, self-control, We, if you're going to be a self-controlled person, you submit to God's system. And not your system. It's not your plan that you follow; it's God's plan. And yeah, that might be challenging. In the end, um, Jesus' self-control in the wilderness kind of sets the pattern for his his ministry. Wherever he goes and whatever he does, he's going to, if you read it in Luke, if you follow the, the story in Luke, he's always led by the Spirit. He's constantly being empowered by the Spirit. He's constantly echoing Scripture. He's always, uh, he's ready to pray at any time. His, his willingness to suffer here in this way sets the tone and the stage for his willingness to suffer all the way through his ministry and into his death ultimately vindicated only by resurrection. And so if we want to follow in his footsteps, if we want to start, or in some cases, many cases, continue the pattern of Jesus-like self-control, then we should ask a couple of questions. And the very first one, the most probably the most important is this, what parts of your life are out of control? And we all have them. Um, and it's different for everyone. You know, obviously, like... Um, but every every one of us has a place where we, we, we just don't want to... It's like, okay, we're mostly complete. We just don't want to deal with this thing because it's not easy. And for those of you who, like me, are a seven on the Enneagram... And you're just constantly like, I just want to have fun all the time. And I just, I hate anything that's not convenient. And I can't stand pain or restraint. Like, this is going to be tough for you. Alright? right? We're in the same boat. Uh, If you ever want to commiserate, just talk to me because I get it. Like, this, all the other fruit of the spirit, I think, just love them. But this one, man, whew, I don't like this at all. But we start by saying, where are we out of control? And we've got to be honest about ourselves. Um, it's very easy for us to think that we're in control and we want to believe that we're in control. But we're not. The second thing is this. Spirit, Scripture, suffering, submission. How are you doing in each category? the The, the pattern that Jesus sets is following the Spirit in prayer and listening, being soaked in Scripture, being willing to suffer, and being submitted to God's plan, not our plan. That is the key. That is the, the pattern for self-control, biblical self-control. And if we're, if we're deficient in these things, if we're, if we're not soaked in Scripture, then we're not going to have the Word of God coming to our tongues. If, if we're not praying and listening and following the Spirit, then we're going to be setting out on our own path. If we're not willing to suffer, if we're not willing to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm willing to go through it, I'm going to take up my cross, then, then we're going to look for shortcuts constantly. And ultimately, we have to be willing to say, not my plan, but yours. I believe that if we, if you're having difficulties with self-control, um, if I'm having difficulties with self-control, it's because there's something, one of these four categories, or maybe multiple categories, I'm weak in. And the last, very last thing is this. Uh, Jesus, I mean, I guess maybe the Holy Spirit's the one that keeps him accountable, but for the rest of us, um, it, it might be helpful to have somebody who can help you with your self-control. Um, and there might be someone here who needs your help with their self-control. Uh, it might be that you need to, to find someone or someone needs to reach out to you. How, how can you be with, not in a judgmental way, not like, you know, slamming down, but, you know, holding the line and saying, let's, let's, let's do this let us let's let's build up this this fruit of the spirit so that we can be complete that we can be the, the people that God's called us to be. Maybe you've tried that, and you know the people that you've looked to haven't been well find find someone else or look for someone who's trying to make a change and say, "I'm going to walk with you in that." I mean, no one wants to do that, but I think it might be the path to renewal because man. We live in a culture that absolutely despises self-control. When it, whatever it comes to, I mean, I, I've been using food as like, but, dude, sex? I mean, my gosh. Like, this culture is like, just feast your eyes on whatever the internet has to provide for you. Relationships? Man, our, our culture says it's bad for you? Get out. Like, just quit. Don't restrain yourself. You, you, you deserve better. What God is saying, he's saying, if you can master yourself, you are going to be entering into a world and a life that is better. And it's going to image and mirror the world to come. It starts with the spirit. It starts with self-control. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, um, for those of us who who battle self-control, we ask for an ex- extra measure of your spirit. Fill us up again in worship, in prayer, in silence. Make us aware of you, God, your spirit. Holy Spirit, give us power, give us wisdom, eyes to see. And God, for those of us who maybe just haven't been in Scripture, maybe we've just been kind of coasting, Lord, give us the desire and the love for your word again, so that we can live by your word, not by just bread, not just by our desires, but, but by your holy words. Holy Spirit, give us the willingness and the ability to suffer. Sometimes that's just inconvenience, but sometimes, God, you call us to painful things, and may we be the the sorts of people who are willing to do that. In all things, God, may we be submitted to your plan, your way, not our way, so that we can become people who are controlled, complete, In that, we may exist as people of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.